You're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm your host, Alexandra Fernandez. On one of our last segments of the show, I sat down with Dr. Rupa Patel and Dr. Tess Clifford to discuss the need to reopen schools in Ontario for the sake of youth well-being when it comes to their physical health as well as their mental health. So joining me today, again, I have with me Dr. Tess Clifford. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Um, So on Wednesday, the Ontario government announced that we will unfortunately not be returning to school for the remainder of the year. Um, And what was your initial reaction to this news? Um, I wasn't totally surprised given how things have been playing out over the course of the week, but of course, very disappointed and um, actually feeling quite, quite disappointed about the way that communication was made and the suggestion that... um, that there was good reasons to keep schools closed. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. And I think um, the way that Premier Ford put out the decision as if we needed to either choose schools or reopening industry is a false dichotomy that's kind of setting everybody up to be fighting against each other rather than accepting that we could have both of those things forward. Mm-hmm, definitely. And it is also unfortunate that um, you know, they're kind of going about this whole school reopening approach just province-wide and not really considering, you know, different regions with low case numbers because they were saying, you know, thousands of new cases could come up. But I think we would really just see that in like the hotspot areas like the Peel region, Toronto region, but in Kingston where we have like 10 active cases or something. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely even in those hotspot regions, uh, it's really hard to know from that modeling data um, what assumptions were being made about about spread, but it's kind of it would be surprising for um, school reopening schools to contribute that substantially to to COVID spread when it hasn't so far. Um, when in the past, when schools were open, and in other jurisdictions where schools have remained open, hasn't contributed that substantially. But definitely, it's extremely hard to understand in a region like Kingston, where we've had multiple days of zero new cases in the last week. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, And, you know, compared to a lot of other provinces, like during the announcement, some people were asking um, other provinces have been able to keep schools open and stuff like that. Um, And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on those. And, you know, what ways do you think that maybe like our province or our region, different places could kind of follow their, I guess, like ways of being able to just keep schools open, allow kids to be back with their friends and stuff? Yeah, I think that particularly in British Columbia, the evidence has been pretty clear with, you know, with focused on the real world evidence that um, having schools open hasn't contributed contributed substantially to um, of COVID. It's been worth the the low manageable risk um, for the many benefits to children's well-being, which, you know, also in our situation where this this continuing school closures poses significant risks to children and and youth's well-being health mental health physical health uh, and education and um, yeah it's disappointing that we can't we can't learn from our other other Canadians about the success they've had in in continuing to prioritize kids while also um, mitigating COVID spread in communities. And so, unfortunately, because schools aren't reopening, the government announced on that announcement on Wednesday that they would be investing an additional $31 million um, into mental health services and resources for youth. Um, What are your thoughts on this decision? 
I think that any investment in children's mental health is a good investment. We have been underfunded as a sector and that that uh, funding for children's mental health has been needed for years. Mm-hmm. So I welcome that announcement. I also um, recognize that this is not a situation that we can get out of by giving everybody an individual therapist or a counselor. Um, we need to make community level change in order to, to see our children recover from the chronic stress of the pandemic. Uh, not every child is going to get or need their own therapist. Um, but many kids will will benefit from community level changes that that allow them to have time to play with friends, to learn, to have meaning in their days, to interact with caring adults, to have routine. All the things that school school gives to kids uh, contribute to their well being. And we know we know from research on coping with chronic stress that those are the critical factors that kids need to get through it. So having a time to sit down with a one on one therapist could be helpful skills but uh, the world can't help you recover whenever you're living living through that stress over and over and again without connections with people that that care and that you can have fun and have meaning in your days Mm -hmm, definitely and what does that community level change sort of look like um to you and what are like some you know ways that that could be implemented through higher i think yeah yeah i think that there's a lot of ways that um that we as a community and as a province could could target um, ensuring that kids are recovering from this stress. And that includes having commitment to regular uh, school that is going to have as few interruptions as possible and uh, allow kids to get back to those routines and those relationships. Um, but there are, of course, other things we could do as a community. So prioritizing ways for kids to interact outdoors, to have socialization, recreational activities, and and other things that bring meaning to their lives. Many kids run without any extracurricular activities for the last 15, 16 months. Yeah. And those things really bring meaning to their lives. They having, you know, ways to to connect with people and things that you enjoy and are learning and building skill in ha- brings a lot to your well-being. And uh, so we need to be actively thinking about what we're doing to, to help kids build those skills. I know the Ford government's promise that, um, you know, with schools staying closed, that summer camps can can open um, is appealing to some. I'm, I'm really thinking about the 75% of Ontario kids who don't uh, have access to summer camps who can't afford to do that, who mm-hmm. don't participate for, for lots of reasons. And also the fact that many summer camps are not running this year because uh, they didn't have enough notice to get prepared or they didn't yeah. have, or they don't have the resources. Um, so there's a lot of kids missing out on opportunities to, to engage with other kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is really unfortunate. Sorry, no, no, no. Um, but yeah, it's really unfortunate to hear because it's such like a vital part of like your childhood and growing up and making those connections because you really bring them into your future years and stuff. Definitely. For sure. Um, yeah, other, I think there's a lot of community level things we could be thinking about. And there's actually a, a group um, using the hashtag we can for kids who's uh, developed a framework about what we can across Canada be doing in order to support kids with their recovery. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all these um, different investments in um, mental health resources and services, um, 
do you know if they've like proved to be useful and like very much used and accessed by people? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I know that our local children's mental health and many other children's mental health providers are, are having extremely high rates of referrals struggling to, to support everyone who's reaching out. Um, so I would assume that some investment in providing more staff will support those families. Right. Um, I also think that there's a lot of families who reach out at time of crisis, but may not need long-term support, um, but some who will. I, I know last year that the government announced funding to continue school mental health resources throughout the summer, which are usually on a break in the summer. And I also know that almost no families access those school mental health resources or very few is a low number. Mm -hmm. And generally, that's what we see in children's mental health that in the summers when the demands are lower, um, people don't access mental health as much mental health supports as much as they do at other times of the of the year so I would anticipate that any announcement about that increasing services right right now um, might be helpful for the crisis but probably in the long term um, more supports into the fall and transitions continue to happen people need help right now dealing with the uncertainty of everything right and really difficult um, yeah so it's hard to know. I mean, yeah. always having more more counselors and more services available when you have long wait times is going to be helpful. Um, but it's it's going to target only the people who are able to or want to participate in that service, whereas in a broader level community um, changes or supports could target everyone. Mm -hmm, for sure. And, you know, coming back to school in September, like even though, um, you know, it looks like it may be um, a in-person learning situation and not just even in, you know, elementary school, high school, but even like with university and stuff. Um, do you think that the government will continue to invest? Because I can also imagine, um, you know, after online learning for like a year and a half, two years, like the transition going back to school and all this constant um all the constant back and forth will also be a challenge in itself. So do you think that the government will continue to invest in mental health? Do you hope that they do? I mean, well, obviously we always hope that they do, but um, yeah, just say your thoughts on that and yeah. that sort of different adjustment. Yeah. I find it really difficult to predict what this government's going to do. I feel, I feel <laughs> like they're not following the evidence at all. So it's hard <laughs> to know what they will do. I hope that they will continue to invest in, in mental health supports and really also in thinking about what kids need to adjust to that transition back. Like you said, I think it will be a significant transition back for many people mm -hmm. and uh, really thinking about uh, what can we do to ensure that the educators have you know, enough resources to support everybody. There's going to be a lot more kids who are going to need help with both both transitioning from a mental health perspective, as well as um, getting up to speed in their education. There are going to be pretty clear um, gaps in, in individual classroom. There's probably going to be pretty significant disparities in terms of mm -hmm. um, kids who've done really well uh, at home and in virtual school and kids who haven't. And yeah. that's going to require more small group or one-on-one -on -one instruction, more support from people who know how to do remediation. And I also think that the government needs to give educators at all levels uh, clear expectations that it's okay to focus on supporting people in that transition and building routines in making friendships and relationships and connections 
in that first transition back rather than getting focused on assessing where all the learning gaps are to begin with. So everybody's going to need some time to get settled, build trust and relationships before you can really assess what they need what they need to learn uh, academically. So I'm hopeful that there's some direction about that too and some mm-hmm. support for that for educators. I feel like they've been asked to do so much over the last that they really need permission to to do what's right for for everybody who's who's going back to learning in person. Mm-hmm, definitely, yeah. Um, and what would you suggest to students or you know parents of students, um, caretakers, whatever, um, who are struggling um, with their mental and or physical health during this time? Yeah, right now what I would say is a great time to think about what expectations are reasonable for you, you and your family, and what which ones can you let go of and. I know there's a lot of families for whom they were hanging on with virtual school, hoping that there would be a transition back to in-person. And now that they know there won't be, they're feeling pretty hopeless about whether they can continue and finish out the school year with virtual school. And I think it's okay to recognize if this learning approach is not working for your child or your family, it's okay to to stop. It's okay to, to take a break. It's okay to make decisions that work for you. Uh, and really think, thinking about what other expectations can you reduce. We're in a whole pandemic with a huge amount of crisis around us. And this is not the time to push through and say, we can do everything. It's the time to really assess what, what expectations are reasonable for us and what can we let go of? What else can we do to build up our coping for right now? Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we end off? No, I think that's, I think that's good, Alex. I feel like um, I'm hopeful for investment and support and planning around how to make the future better than this uh, and really prioritize kids and their well-being. Um, Yeah, so we'll look forward to seeing what comes next. Mm -hmm, Definitely, yeah, and hopefully it only kind of, you know, goes up from here and stuff and that um, people are able to access these resources that are available Um, so that way you know come September um, the transition is easier the adjustment is a lot easier and stuff because I can't even imagine what that is gonna look for sure okay well thank you so much thank you to the scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. We just had a really great conversation with Dr. Tess Clifford about the announcement that the Ford government made last week on Wednesday in terms of schools not reopening and what that means for students and how unfortunate it is. But like she said, there are lots of resources. There is a $31 million investment into mental health resources and programs for students during this difficult time. So be sure to access them through your school, through online platforms as well, folks. Um, It really is um, a tough time for our students for our youth um, and the least we, that we can do is just provide them with the necessary resources to feel better to make this um, situation a lot better than it has to be because I know that social interaction and all these aspects are very important to um, our young Kingstonians and whatnot so yeah 
in some exciting news. Um, as we know, it's June, which also means that it's Pride Month. And to celebrate, Reel Out, which is Kingston's queer film and video festival, is showcasing two unique programs over their virtual site, which has started, um, which started June 4th, and it is running until August 31st. The intangible queer Reel Out is proud to finally herald this experimental work, which is a hybrid of theater and film, and the first original film co-production featuring all local talent in front of and behind the scenes. Influenced by the cult classic Mulholland Drive, Yikes, a theater company explores a search for the self strapped with the realization of identity within our immediate surroundings. Unlike what we are used to with storytelling, this piece is non-diegetic, further confronting the question of an imposed identification. There is no narrative arc, no answers, there is only the intangible queer. Artistic directors Kemi King and Lisbeth McLean featuring Aaron Ball, Evelyn Poole, Caitlin Kelly, and Stephanie Fung. You can check out the um, amazing program. Tickets are only $13, and if you go to realoutsummer.eventive.org slash welcome, you can check it out. But just go to Realout, search it up, and um, you can buy tickets and check out this amazing program. The other program is called the Limestone City Pride Shorts, and this collection, originally curated for Reload's 20th anniversary in 2019, celebrates the stories and histories of our local LGBTQ plus communities. There are three documentaries and one narrative based on a true story, ranging from 1995 to 2018, and this tells the story of humans looking for a place to live and love right here in Kingston. Filmmakers included in this program include James Fowler, Sandra Jazz, Isaac Alfie, Jonathan Davies, and Josh Clapp. Tickets are $13 and available as well online um, and you can find out more information on the website and also if you just go to Real Out Film Festival which website which is just realout.com realout.com you can find the information there on the page um, which is awesome so definitely check that out it's a great way to stay involved a great way to check out new things during this um, virtual age EastEnders, you can join an online engagement session for an introduction to a new park and trail system being developed on Waterside Way in the Pittsburgh district overlooking the Catarockway River. The project will be introduced at an hour-long online session at 6 p.m. on June 16th. City staff will be available to answer questions and you can register to join the information session. If you wish to follow along but don't expect to ask any questions, you can also do on the city's YouTube channel by just going to City of Kingston where the meeting will be closed captioned as well as live streamed. The um, new 1.78 acres park will include a mid-sized playground, an open lawn, play field, and pedestrian pathways with seating. The proposed trails run through an environmentally protected wooded area that buffers the subdivision from the river. They are to be natural, of modest scale, and will connect to the new park. A lookout site that is to be naturalistic in design is proposed for the water's edge as part of the trail plan. And for any inquiries about the proposed development or to provide accessibility feedback related to the development, you can contact psharp at cityofkingston.ca. That's just P S H. A-R-P-E at cityofkingston.ca. So to get involved, you can register to attend the online um, to attend the online session. Um, an online survey will be available for residents to offer feedback, and you can go to cityofkingston.ca slash get involved to sign up for project updates and be notified when the survey is open. You can also request a paper copy of the survey by calling 613-546-0000. They will provide you with the postage paid envelope to return the survey to City Hall, or you can also complete the survey over the phone with city staff by calling the same number, which is just 613-546-0000. So definitely be sure to check that out while you can.
South Frontenac launches an online survey to help determine local needs for future affordable housing, which is also really great. The township is asking those who may be in search of housing now or in the future to complete the housing needs assessment survey. The responses to the survey should only take six to eight minutes and will remain completely anonymous. Um, so you can check that out. And this is just as part of the strategic plan review in 2019. Um, so that the future of South Frontenac can understand um, the different surveys to see what residents want. So you can um, check that out um, by going um, to their website. Um, if you also just go to surveymonkey.com slash r slash South Frontenac housing, you can find the survey there. But those are all your news updates, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. We hope you have a lovely rest of your day. We also hope that you are staying safe during these times. The good news is that our COVID numbers are down. We are only at about 19 cases, I believe, as of this morning, which is great, and not too many variants of concern popping up either. So just remember to do your part by staying safe, wearing your mask, practicing proper hand hygiene, interact acting closely only with those in your household. Um, unless you live alone, then you can join another household. Um, but the good news is that next week, Monday, June 14th, we will be opening up shortly um, and entering phase one of the reopening plan for Ontario. So some restrictions will be eased up, which will be nice. Um, and I also hope that you enjoy today's weather. It is going to be a little bit rainy and cloudy for some of the week, but I believe Thursday is absolute sunshine and really hot weather. It's really going to feel like summer. So get some popsicles, get some I don't know, some cold um, summer dinners ready. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM and don't go anywhere because we have this Justin coming up next. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.